is because they're saying that I'm the liar and that I set Jacqueline Greger up to deliver that whole report in its entirety. And, and the reason I'm telling you all this is because um, there's a lot happening here in the state of Arizona where the media is doing everything in their power possible to discredit um, John Thaler and Jacqueline Breger. Are you ready to stop funding globalists? Ready to ditch the big box stores and finally buy clean products you can trust that are actually good for you and made in America? If you are, I have an exciting program for you, the Freedom Buying Club. You can buy everyday products from cleaning supplies that detox your home to fluoride-free toothpaste you can trust delivered right to your door. They also have my favorite product, the highest quality USDA prime beef without hormones and antibiotic-free from cows raised humanely in the pasture without mRNA vaccines. You can trust what you are buying and their size and just what you need convenient packs delivered right to your door. No more wasting meat when you're forced to purchase your own cow from the ranch in order to get anything close to what I just described. If you are interested in helping your family get healthier while supporting American Made, go to freedombuyingclub.com. Sign up to speak with a representative and they will explain the entire opportunity. And remember, freedombuyingclub.com. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Liz Harris. She was a member of Congress in Arizona who brought the Breger report forward. And she's going to explain the whole story. But because of that, they expelled her from Congress. She was voted the most popular um, representative in her area. She voted in legitimately. They expelled her for this information that came forward that she got approved. And I guess everybody was blindsided by this, but it's probably true. And they're trying to cover it up and it has to do with blackmail. And it's kind of the, the crux of a lot of the election problems and why Kerry Lake didn't win, why Donald Trump, why all the, and it's not just Arizona, it's about 26 states. It's the Breger report. And she was expelled from Congress because of this. And they're working to cover this whole thing up. And I, you got to hear her story because this is the kind of information that needs to get out there because this solving this, it goes a long way to solving the problems that we have. We're learning that, you know, I've, I've talked about this for a while, that blackmail is a currency of the powerful. And this is the example of it and what's going on and why we can't get past it. And we need to, because we've got to get this corruption out. And it's not just Democrat. It's both parties and more Republicans uh, want to protect this corruption than don't. There's only a few that are really fighting it. The vast majority, because they aren't, they wouldn't win. It's too risky. They don't want to lose their position in Congress or their money train. And if this stuff gets out there, then they will lose it. It's too risky. This being in place assures them. Look at Katie Hobbs. She didn't win. Everybody knows anybody with a brain. I mean, come on, think people. Everybody with a brain knows that she lost and was put. It couldn't be more obvious that she didn't win legitimately. And there we are stuck with people like that. It's like Joe Biden. If you have a brain, you know, he didn't win legitimately. And we're stuck with this guy. He's a total criminal fraud. And we have that all over. And this is how they're doing it. And so now, because it was exposed, they're trying to cover it up. 
expelling her. She's out of Congress, all these things. So it's more important that this gets out there. There's going to be a book that's going to come out on this report. And uh, the guy's name is John Thayer. And he's going to, she's going to talk about that. And that's supposedly coming out in September. So pretty soon. And so that book, hopefully that'll get everywhere. So before I get into this uh, conversation with her, I want to tell you about this emergency medical kit that the wellness company is trying to get everybody to have certain emergency medicines. And the wellness kit, you know, Dr. McKella and actually Dr. Stella, she has her own version that's all with these guys, the wellness. I love those guys. I love those doctors. They're courageous. They're out there doing their thing, but they're they're saying there's certain medicines that every home should have in your cabinet to prepare for any problems that can come forward. If we have global supply issues, and that's it. I mean, that could be an issue. If we have you have some kind of disaster, we have maybe some kind of conflicts here in this country, or we can't get medicines, this will protect you. And so I'm going to have the link below. Otherwise, it's TWC, the wellness company, twc.health slash Sarah, and you will see the wellness kit there. Otherwise, I'll have the link below directly to it. And I recommend that you look at that for your family. Okay, Let's get into this conversation with Liz Harris. Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for coming to the program. Thanks for having me. You have an amazing story, and I think it reflects what's happening across the country and in D.C., but you are right in the thick of it, and it's very important. And I've had Dave Hodges on in the past talking about the Breger Report, but you are the one that brought that forward and then paid the price for it and are still dealing with that. Can you talk about what happened in Arizona? Because you're a senator in Arizona, and right? And then something happened. Can you talk about that? Sure. So I was a representative. A representative, so I'm sorry. How, right, in the House of Representatives. So um, when I won my election in 2022, what was important to me was to get everything related to election integrity on the record. So everything that had happened in the 2020 and 2022 election, I wanted to make sure that it was on the official record of the state house and the state Senate so that um, my colleagues who I'm Republican, they're Republican, um, but election reform is a nonpartisan issue. It, you know, That's it, right. It, right. But I, I was thinking that the Republicans would stand in solidarity with me as far as getting everything on the record and understanding what it was that we needed to do to make sure that our elections were safe and secure. So in the and this is after not to interrupt, but this was after the whole Katie Hobbs, Carrie Lake situation. I mean, Correct. you would think. OK, keep going. So the Katie Hobbs, Carrie Lake situation, that was November 8th, 2022. And many people remember here in the state of Arizona, we had, or in Maricopa County, we had so many machines malfunction on election day. It was ridiculous. My, personally, I went and voted in person. I had to put my ballot through five times before it would accept. <laughs> many people gave up and they left. Um, oh, some yeah. people, some people waited in line for the ADA machine because they knew that the ADA machine would take their ballot then and there. It was, it was, there was so much craziness that day. And it was well over um, 60% of the polling locations that had problematic machines. But anyway, so like things like that, I wanted to make sure they got on the record. 
So um, it was Ivan Raikwan. Now I'm in office. I'm on the elections committee. And Ivan Raikwan, he is a constitutional attorney out of Virginia. He called me and I had done some speaking events with him. Very, very sharp guy. He said, have you ever thought about doing a joint session between the House and the Senate at, in Arizona? And I said, well, gee, you know, I'm a freshman. I don't necessarily know that I have the ability to do that. But I went and I asked and I got permission, as long as I didn't have subpoena power, um, that I could do this joint hearing. So Ivan suggested five speakers. So it was Ivan's job to pretty much get those five speakers. And he indicated to me the weekend before that he was having trouble getting two of the five speakers. Now, Ivan was one of the five speakers. Um, and I said to him, I said, oh, please, can you just try to get the just do whatever you can to get them? Um, but when I submitted my proposal to the Speaker of the House and the Senate president, you know, I had my asterisk substitution of speakers because I knew that these speakers were flying in from around the country on their dime. So I did, you know, just, uh, be, you know, planning events, things, planning in planning, you got to know, okay, there, you got to have a contingency plan. Yep. So, right. So I then said, eventually, um, I, I really don't think I'm going to get the two um, fine substitute speakers. So I got um, Captain Seth Keschel, and then I wanted Joe Von Hutton Holzer because he had done a lot of work on the Arizona um, ballots. And I was advised by a fellow senator and some constituents, Liz, you know they don't want Joe Von. Joe Von's going to be too much of an upset. So I remembered receiving a press release and the first few a copy of the first few chapters of report to the governor, which was Jacqueline Breger's press release and John Thaler's book um, on report to the governor. So I text messaged Jacqueline Breger um, three to four days before the hearing and said I, I told her I wanted to meet with her in person because I, I wanted to I guess you could say I wanted to vet I wanted to see what they had in regards to election, uh, strengthening our elections, what they had known had gone wrong. So I went up to North Scottsdale. I met with her. I sat down with her for two hours and she discussed many things with me. The following day, I had a follow-up call with her and John Thaler and I actually recorded it. And John Thaler said, this is what I'd like to bring um, as far as election integrity is concerned. And he gave me two major issues. One was ballots in advance that he had a eyewitness to, and they were gonna provide an affidavit to um, ballots in advance, and then they, they tracked the van where the van went. Um, that happened um, right before the November 2020 election. The second item that they were testifying to <clears throat> was the backdoor portals to the recorder's websites. Now here in Arizona, we don't necessarily have like the an elections board. We have the we have the um the recorder, Stephen Richer, who is in charge of Maricopa County. And then we have the Board of Supervisors, who we've also empowered over the last few years to have control of elections on election day. So it's a little bit different than most states. 
But what John Thaler, he himself witnessed was the ability of someone he was married to um, be able to um, uh, basically sign into that portal and upload documents. Now, the reason this was of special interest to me, I'm getting a little bit in the weeds here, but for anyone who followed the Arizona Senate audit that we did in 2021 on the 2020 election, we know that they never gave us the routers or the Splunk locks. They, they were hiding something and we yep. all knew this. So now to have someone come in and testify or to, to explain the backdoor portals and that he was saying through Jacqueline Greger, it wasn't just Maricopa County that had that backdoor entry portal, that it was actually four counties. It was Maricopa, Yuma, Yavapai and Pima. So that this this wasn't just Maricopa County. This was happening throughout the state. So that like literally I have the recording of that. This is what they're going to come in and testify. Now, Jacqueline Breger came in, as you know, and she testified to that and so much more and things that proved that there were allegedly fraudulent documents being uploaded into the official recorders' websites throughout the state of Arizona. Was so, that the Breger report then? That, that's the Breger report. So they, instead of, so my understanding was that they were going to present on A, B, or A, B, and C, and they presented on A through Z. Okay. So the reason I got expelled is because they're saying that I'm the liar and that I set Jacqueline Breger up to deliver that whole report in its entirety. So there is a rule that we're not supposed to impugn other legislators. So when she said, when she made a comment that some of the legislators were guilty of some of these activities, I think that's what ultimately got me in trouble. So she she thought that you were setting up these people by bringing this person in to talk about the Breger report, which wasn't, they only approved A through C, and he came and talked through, and she came and talked through A through Z. It was the later part of that that they were unaware of, and because you blindsided, they he blindsided them, you're the one responsible for this bringing this person in that blindsided them, even though you didn't know they were going to talk about that either. And, and why are they so upset about what they talked about? Was it not true? Well, there's probably nuggets of truth in what John Taylor and the Breger report saying. So it's, that, it's got to be that. Because blind, there, there's something like someone's like, Liz, don't say it quite like this, but I, I'm going to go ahead and, and just say it like this. John Taylor uh, is, is currently in a child custody dispute. And this has been going on a long time, but he's an attorney and he's a forensic analyst. So when he started seeing his own court records of his custody case being uploaded and misinformation and orders of protection and all these things, that's one of the things that made him dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And he allegedly copied the computer of this woman that he had, I don't know if they're still married or not, but he copied the computer and the metadata and the meta tags, which enabled him to get all this data on fraudulent deeds, fraudulent 
um, bankruptcies, fraudulent insurance claims. I mean, the list just goes on and on as to how many fraudulent documents there actually are. But um, the, the thing here is that, like John, he kind of stumbled upon all, all this by accident. Now, the woman who allegedly committed the fraud on all these documents, her claim is that John Thaler is abusive and yada, yada. If, if I had to wager on it, I would believe um, John Thaler's um, account, which is that the woman he was married to was the forger on a lot of these documents. And, and the reason I'm telling you all this is because um, there's a lot happening here in the state of Arizona where the media is doing everything in their power possible to discredit um, John Thaler and Jacqueline Breger. But I'm going to get to my point here. John Thaler has not seen his child for three years. And he's supposed to have um, joint custody. It was originally joint custody. And then it changed to supervision without his knowledge. And so by sending in Jacqueline Breger with the Breger report, this was his only opportunity to get on the record not just stuff that was happening with the elections, but just stuff that was happening with our reporters' website, with the judges, with police departments, with local officials, and with legislators. Well, this was so, a big deal. I mean, it's explosive. It's, what, 26 states. It it exposes this whole blackmail, stealing and laundering money scheme. Did anybody dig into it more, or suddenly they try to get rid of you and cover it all up. No. So they get rid of me and then they're claiming that they, they perused it and there's nothing to see here. So, <laughs> okay. so, so even if only 10% of it is, is accurate and truthful, that's explosive right there. And can you imagine if 90% or a hundred percent of this is true? It, it's, it's a huge, huge nugget, but I just want to drive home that um, I was expecting them to present on something else. They presented on a lot more. I was blindsided, but at the same time, I'm not going to, um, other than send the state legislators, look, here's the recording of what John Thaler said he had. And, and I got back from one of the legislators. Oh, you think that's going to be enough to prove your innocence? Bottom line, they wanted me out because they knew I was fighting for election reform. That's they, the this was line. an excuse, right? Because right. they knew they were coming too. That he blindsided them as much as you, and you were as open as you possibly could be. How can you be responsible for what somebody does once they're there? I mean, how right. is that possible? And and it was the reaction of certain legislators as Berger was presenting, and the world was watching that made people say, "Oh my goodness, maybe some of these legislators are guilty of some of what she's saying." I mean, we had one state senator, he was holding a paper and it was shaking as he was um, as he was uh, asking Jacqueline Breger questions. And then, of course, he's the one who asked Jacqueline Breger, who invited you here to make this presentation today? And she said, Representative Harris. And then, yeah, that was the beginning of the end for me. Okay, so now where is it at right now? I mean, because getting this, exposing this and getting this out there is pretty important. It undermines our 
republic, right? I mean, this is how they're doing a lot of the scams they're doing. It's important that we get to the bottom of this. So burying it is not an option. But how, uh, what are you doing now? And are you fighting to keep your position? Uh, Where is that at? So the way it works here in Arizona is that if a legislator dies, resigns, or gets expelled, you have six days to get the precinct committeemen in your legislative district together. So this happened with the sixth day of after I was expelled, where the precinct committeemen had a new election. And I came in number one with 70% of the vote to serve. Like the PCs, even though the state legislature were making up all these things about, you know, why they had to expel me, the people knew me better. The people knew my situation. Um, I meet with um, 70 constituent, up to 70 constituents every single morning. People want people like you. They want people who are bringing out the truth and trying to fix things. Right. So, so the people knew me. So even though I came in first place in that, um, in that election, they went with the second runner up. Um, They went with someone else. So many people did they have? What was their percentage? It was 60 something. So, I mean, it was the person that I originally ran with and then I, I so, um, but, you know, I'm just going to say she's down there. She's not voting quite the way I would. But um, so because what they had, the way it works in Arizona, they have to take the top three vote getters, submit it to the Board of Supervisors, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, then the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors picks one of the three. So they could have picked the person with the third most votes, but they, they picked the second, the second, the second. And. So once that happened, um, you know, I kept writing to the legislators. I sent them text messages. I'm like, look, look at this video, watch this video. Um, and they just, they continue to go on speaking circuits and they continue to make up more falsities about me. And it, it's, it's just, it's tragic because again, having this relationship with constituents who are like cue balls, they, they basically let others know what I'm all about. Um, I I think that every past legislator who they've expelled, it kind of just gets swept under the rug and nothing happens. But with my expulsion, it's a little different. The people are speaking up. Well, because you, it was because of something that was exposed that's certain, that's really important that they're now covering up. You're, that's what it's tied to. So to expel you for that is a wrong on top of a wrong. The crime of covering it up ends up being just as bad, if not worse, as the crime itself. So now they're covering up all their crimes on top of cover-ups and lying and lying and covering up. I mean, they're just making themselves worse. And if they weren't involved with it, now they're doing crimes for the innocent people who weren't involved. Well, now you're covering up and causing more crimes because you're covering up for real crimes that were there. It's a mess. And people are sick of it. People are sick of it. And then they also passed a law this session that all of their recorded deeds and all their recorded documents, if they're in office, that they get to redact them from the recorder site. So for all these citizen investigators that want to look things up, um, those documents, um, legislators and people who work in the elections department, just like the judges, judges have always 
typically had their information redacted for their safety. And now the legislators and the election workers and this pool of people who are not going to have to, um, you know, show here are the properties I've acquired. Here are the judgments I have against me. Here are the liens I have against me, if any. Um, all that's going to be redacted now. Um, so what, as far as what I'm doing is I'm continuing. I continue to meet with the constituents every morning, 6.30 a.m., except Sunday morning. We take off. And we just, we're all, um, it's like a coalition where it's like, okay, what do we need to do today? Do we need to send in comments on the school bonds and why we're opposed to them? Or do we need to, there's a new elections procedures manual where they're asking for comments from Arizona uh, constituents. What do you, how do you feel about this EPM? And, and we send in comments. So there are calls to action every day. But what I am excited about is that um, as far as the Breger reports concerned and John Thaler, John Thaler did get a division of Random House uh, Penguin Books to pick up his book. So that book is going to be released, my understanding is mid-September. And John Thaler is very confident in his work and all those documents that he had extracted off um, his former wife's computer and what he is alleging are forgeries. Um, that's all gonna be out in a book and it's gonna explain everything. I, I don't have a copy of the book. I've read sections of it, but it's gonna explain everything from how he initially discovered something was wrong up to the point of having, I think it's over 150,000 documents that show um, something is not right in the state of Arizona. Well, and it's, it's affecting 26 different states, right? It's not just Arizona. Is that correct? But Arizona is one of the main states. And what does it show? Not just not right, but there's a pattern of some activities that it's showing. Is that correct? So the pattern of activity, but you, you have to do further investigation, is where you'll see, um, let's just say, uh, an elected official own a house and then it'll be refinanced every year or every other year, even though interest rates are going up. There, there, there's lots of anomalies. So I think what John Thaler is alleging is that there are fake notaries, there are fake mortgage companies made to look like real mortgage companies, and that there could there is alleged um a lot of this activity starts with the new home builder because new home builders very often don't use here in the state of Arizona. They don't use title and escrow companies. They, they hold a lot of the money themselves. So again, I'm not the one um, reporting on the crimes. I'm just saying that the things that I've seen, um, they do look highly suspicious and we really need further investigation. That's on the deed side of it. Then you've got other documents like medical liens. Um, it's pretty clear that all of these documents have the notary signature in the same exact position on every single one of these documents. Like you could tell that it's like a graphic image that's been um, placed on all these documents. So again, when you, I, I think I'm going to have to read the book because um, I'm not as knowledgeable. But I think when you put all of these documents together, 
um, John Thaler may be right that in the state of Arizona, our databases, when it comes to recorded documents, there's so much um, false, uh, bad information that it's kind of like John Thaler says, it's like you need to start from scratch, that it's that bad. That I would believe so, that. And, and and so then where do the other states come into, like you mentioned, the 26 states? So the way John Thaler started his um, work was he was hired by um, insurance companies to essentially look at um, claims of uh, ins insurance claims that might be fraudulent. So that when, when he looked at that and he looked it, like he, he could see the pattern of money laundering and with the false deeds in states such as Indiana, Ohio, Michigan. So that's where his investigation started decades ago. And then he would see a lot of that money funneling into the state of Arizona. So, and, and that's where the 26 states come in. It's like, there's stuff happening between Arizona and Tennessee. And then, yeah. And again, I'm, I'm not the one really to report on this. So, the upshot but you, is, you're, this affected your whole career, though. I mean, I, 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 tell us the upshot, and I want to get into that. Yes, it, it took me out of office. I, I'm a believer in God, and I believe that things happen the way they were intended. So if there is great good to come out of this, where the level of corruption in politics is reduced over the next several years, then I do not regret a single thing that's happened. Well, if this John is probably why Carrie Lake didn't win. This is why nobody can fix things. This is why the audit for Donald Trump didn't go through. It's because of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, you're at the core of it and they're hiding it. If this is it, guys. This is everybody needs to be looking at this stuff. Even if Jacqueline Breger came in and just presented on the two things I was expecting her to present on, that would have been a bombshell in and of itself. <laughs> it's like all this other stuff has come out now. And um, I've said earlier, even if only 10% of this is true, but I have a funny feeling that a lot more of this is going That's to right. come, is pan out. And I, I just hope that they don't make the poster child um, the people who are just dabbling in corruption, I really hope they go for for the the masterminds behind all this. And and one of the things that struck me as really funny is that it's all the people that don't want election reform. Those are the same people that voted to expel me the de on the Democrat side and the Republican side. Well, it so, makes you realize it's a uniparty, right? It's not just, yep. this isn't a Democrat issue. This is a uniparty. Were there Democrats that supported this? That said, hey, I want a fair election too. None of the Democrats supported it. Oh, that's it. so sad. They're, they're just so lost. But I mean, this is not a Democrat-Republican issue. This should be a country issue. Right. Right. Uh, election integrity or election reform, it's a nonpartisan issue. It really should be. And the fact that they're lost on this is very sad. And, um, you know, it come, it's what, what hurts one side hurts the other and, that, and it hurts everybody. This is just a hurting everybody opportunity. And the fact that they can't see that is very sad. Right. So, okay. 
what are you going to do? I mean, can you run again? I mean, it seems like, I mean, how do you even get a fair election? I mean, you won legitimately. All this stuff, can can you ever serve? I mean, are they just going to, I don't care if everybody wants you, where you can't win. Well, to, to explain to you how much I'm not liked, one of the legislators who did not vote to expel me in that new election they had in the legislative district with the precinct committeeman, he actually put out a tweet, Liz Harris is not eligible. And he was wrong. And he's an attorney. He should know better. And he put out misinformation to try to make sure that I could never come back. Well, the people stepped up and they looked at the statute and they were like, sorry, Representative Heap, this is not correct. Liz Harris can run tonight in this um, appointment. It was an appointment. And um, so then he retracted his statement. But it just goes to show you that, um, and this doesn't just apply to Arizona, that a lot of the Republicans throughout um, the United States, and I had this confirmed by a former U.S. congressman, that there are these uniparty, the, the uniparty, and I'll use the uniparty Republican, they prefer a Democrat over a constitutional conservative Republican. That's right. And, and They're not Republicans. They're just right. uniparty swamp characters. They call them, you know, the rhinos, obviously, you know, but those people are, they, they have no values. They're worse than the Democrats as far as I'm concerned. Right. And they're working for a global initiative. There's no question about That's that. right. And it's so, all over at the local state level. Right. So the question is, do I really want to serve with people like this? Because 80% of my Republican colleagues did not truly want election reform. The way you get reelected from what my experience was in office, and I was only there for three months, protect the institution to make sure that you retain the seat for your next election. And I, my answer to leadership was, I'm years right now. You know, maybe I don't want to run. I, I want to get done what I can get done now. They don't want to hear that because the deal is you tow the line. They will make sure you get selected again. That's what it is. It's they just want to protect their position of power. They've mastered the art of acting and presenting to be a certain type of person that the people want. And then it's one big game. But meanwhile, they're selling out their kids' future, they're selling out their neighbors, and they're creating this swamp corruption. I think they need to have a come to Jesus in their own heads and realize that they're destroying their own country and they should just step down. <laughs> That's my opinion. But I they won't honestly, step down. I honestly, Go ahead. I honestly think that a lot of these people don't think they're doing anything wrong. And I honestly believe that the majority of uh, elected Republicans in the state of Arizona, they do not like someone who I find to be uh, anti-corruption. They don't like a Donald Trump. They don't like a, a Giuliani, a Rudy Giuliani. Do you understand? Like Rudy Giuliani took down five mob bosses in New York City in the 1980s. They don't like people like him. Or, or, and I believe um, that President Trump was an anti-corrupt. He didn't want corruption at any level, whether it was human trafficking, drug trafficking. He wanted, you know, to protect the borders. 
Um, These guys are pro-corruption candidates. And so we need to get rid of the, the, the masses of people do not want corruption on both sides of the aisle. I just wish the Democrats would wake up to what's really going on as well and just get rid of all this corruption. Right. But you see, they all speak. Oh, yeah, we want border security. But they don't actually take the action. They, they're like, oh, no, sorry. They're it's actors. a federal issue. Yeah, it's it's acting. In, in my estimation, it's acting. When when I before I got sworn in, we went to like strategic planning, like the House planning. And one of the four pillars was going to be election integrity. But nobody talked about it unless you were on the elections committee. They really didn't want it. Because that's otherwise they won't get reelected. How many of those people are there because people really want them to be there? I think very few. But the whole thing is it's too risky. Right. The whole thing, it's a catch 22, because if you try to primary the candidates that, you know, aren't really representing the people, um, it's again, it's a selection. So you just I mean, I think we're at the point now where we just need an overwhelming amount of people to speak against a candidate to say you are not liked, you are not working for the people. Um, we want candidate B, but then, but then, just look at the whole Carrie Lake situation. You could see she was clearly the favorite candidate. She won, and yet, and they fixed it. Yeah. So again, it's a real catch twenty two, and that's why I've always been a strong supporter of one day, one vote, smaller precincts, paper ballots, hand counts, and getting our results that night. Strong voter ID. So uh, what limit the mail in ballot? Yeah. So what what are you going to do? What should we do? What should people do? Because I, I'm telling you, I'm getting a lot of emails of people who are disillusioned. You know, they just feel like this whole country is run by a bunch of criminals and they're disillusioned. So with the constituents, we talked about this very topic this, this morning. We can't let our foot off the gas pedal. We have to continue to tell the school boards that we're not happy with things that they're doing at the school local level. We've got to continue telling our state legislators that we're not happy. So, so many times we look, you know, we'll watch the national cable outlets and, and we'll see what's happening at the federal level. Now it's time to really start looking at what's happening at the local level. And that was probably one of the best things that happened to me as I got into politics is I started looking at what was happening at the local level. Because the guys who are in U.S. Congress and U.S. Senate, a lot of them, they start out at their state level. So you have to pay attention to them at the state level, because if they're doing things that are a little squishy at the state level, they're just going to move on to Washington, D.C. and make far bigger decisions that affect a nation. Like I could just think of so many people in Washington, D.C. that started out at the state level. And, and we should have been calling out what they were doing years ago, but we weren't paying attention. We were asleep. So, yeah, we were asleep. Right. So, okay. so are you going to run again? I not not unless. Uh, can you tell everyone about that poll? The poll where you open the phone book? Oh, the Rasmussen poll. Yeah, I told you. Yeah, I've been talking about it lately. The Rasmussen poll, they had a poll where it says what's. Do who do you think would be better, a congressperson that's in there now, or somebody that's randomly picked from the phone book? 
And the vast majority of Democrats and Republicans think that if you just randomly pick somebody from the phone book, they'd be better than what we have now. So that that's kind of my point. Unless I have more people like myself, I'm a realtor, I'm a mom, I substitute taught during cold and flu season because they had a shortage of teachers. Like I did, I go, I do my jury duty, I pay my taxes. Like if I could just have regular people like myself run for office who I know, like I don't want, like I want someone who's, you got to have a little intelligence because when you get, when I got down to the state capitol, there are a lot of topics. It's like a fire hydrant and you've got to be really quick to understand you know, what the statute is, what what the different yep. groups or constituents are asking for. It's it's overwhelming. So you do have to really have your faculties and yet you got to be got to be a little bit smart. You don't have to be a Mensa or a brain surgeon. But if I could just serve with people like that, who I know weren't answering to special interest groups that funded their campaigns or I mean, I mean, you know how it goes. If they don't show up in the Breger report for doing scams to get paid off. Right. (laughs) You just want your neighbors, normal people. Right. That's what it's supposed to be, because then they would look for the welfare of the people, Democrat or Republican. They would actually, if you just strip out all those parties and you just go with what's best, they have found that people actually agree with each other more than the way our media makes it out to be. Right. Yep. So that's I would I would serve again if I knew I were gonna ha- I was gonna serve with more and like minded isn't really necessarily the right word because you want to have debate you wanna you want to come up with the best solutions but just more honest people what I've discovered is that the term honest politician it's an oxymoron it's it just it, it does, they don't want honest politicians and it's just so interesting because. Um, what all the legislators to this day continue to go around telling everyone is that I, Liz Harris, that I'm a liar. I lied. I lied. I lied. And the thing is, I didn't lie. I told the truth. And politicians are very often known for lying. So a lot of times, you know, when they're pointing the finger at me, I know there's three fingers pointing back at them and I just have to hold my head high. And so I, when I'm invited to speak somewhere on, you know, what is my side, I just uh, tell them this is how it happened. And um, fortunately, people relate to me and they they understand, you know, these the, the guys who elected me are the same guys that have done nothing to help with election reform uh, since 2020. Are we in trouble at the next election? Because nothing has been done anywhere. I think good things are going to come our way. I just don't know when. And I'm very hopeful that it will be before 2024. I believe that 2023 is the year of exposure. So I just ask your listeners to keep their eyes and ears open. And when they come across information that mainstream media may not pick up, they need to share it with friends and relatives. Um, make sure it's valid information, of course, but we've got to open up more people's eyes and we've got to awaken people because I think they say this is the reawakening, right? This is the reawakening. And we have to be able to talk to all people and realize that everyone, I should say everyone, but almost everyone doesn't want corruption and that we actually share more ideals than we realize. They want to make us seem like we are farther apart 
the mainstream media and all this division and all this, but we're really not. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So where can they follow you? And is there a website and maybe join some of your movements and the work that you're doing? So I'm on Truth Social as a uh, vote Liz Harris, even though I'm not running for Truth Social, um, Facebook and Instagram, vote Liz Harris. And then I'm on Twitter, Liz Harris MBA. You can follow me, of course. And then if um, you really wanted to join that Zoom call, we usually vet people. But you can always join us at 630 in the morning, Pacific time or Arizona time. Uh, six days a week. And we really just let people know what's happening here in the state of Arizona. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you so much. And thanks for not giving up. Because I think that is a role model for people not giving up. You know, I tell people too lately too, because there's so many disillusioned people that first make sure that you have love and light and peace in your own family, because there's a lot of good things. Um, and then take help us take on this big fight. <laughs> because, right. you know, the, having that love and that commitment in your own family, realize there's still really good stuff going on, especially around your close circle, that um, it can make the, the bigger fight that much easier. Yep. So, okay. Well, thank you so much. And you deserve to have a wonderful day. All right. Thank you.